Welcome to Salcedo Paranormal. It is Saturday, November 26th, 2022. And tonight, a special guest and I will be talking about the Grim Reaper. As always, you can find all the episodes of the show, along with links to social media and other ways to contact me at the podcast page. And that is salcedoparanormal.podbean.com. That's S A L. S-I-D-O, paranormal.podbean.com. Always happy to hear from you all, whether you have comments or questions or topic suggestions or stories of paranormal experiences, whether they're your own or from others that you trust. Happy to either read those or have you join me on the show to talk about them. And, um, of course, this is a bonus show, so uh, the next show will be tomorrow night. Um, starting the regular week. So Sundays and Tuesdays, I do true paranormal stories from the web. Mondays and Thursdays, I do paranormal news. And then Wednesdays, I do a uh, usually a, a, a book review of some kind and or a topic deep dive and on the last Wednesday of the month. And um, the plan for this coming Wednesday is to talk about uh, the Greek... Um, ancient Greek ideas of the afterlife. Since about a month or two ago, uh, we did one on the Egyptian ideas of that and, and the beliefs and all that. So um, that series will continue. It's just going to take time um, with everything else going on. But uh, yeah, so that's the plan for next week. And um, thank you all for being here. I see you all there in the stream. And uh, also thank you all who listen to the podcast and YouTube feeds. It's always appreciated. So, um, again, today we'll be talking about the Grim Reaper, and I'm very happy to welcome Jen, Jennifer Hawkins, onto the stream. Hey, James, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. We've been talking about this topic for a little while now. It's been about a month planned out you know, pre. I'm kind of excited to talk about it. And I came across a lot of strange things, even just kind of by accident, that tie into this. And so I think we have a lot to talk about, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, uh, we were talking uh, in the, before the show started just about how it seems like so many of us that do research into what seems like different things, we all kind of end up meeting in different places along the way. It's just pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It, it's strange because it seems like we get all onto the same kind of mindset of where we want to go with different topics. And everybody has these different unique ideas. But then while they're researching those ideas, there starts to become like a parallel between the ideas of one friend or another. And then they kind of do tie together. And I don't know, it's perfect timing, really. And yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that's neat. Well, um, I figure I'll start off maybe with this basic definition or description of the Grim Reaper, and then um, you were talking, like I said before the show, we were talking a little bit and uh, about some stuff that you found. So uh, I'll just go into this real quick, and then we can go on from there. Um, yeah. I uh, if anyone wants to look into all this, there are there's plenty out there online. Um, there's just I I have three articles I'm gonna go go off of here, but Really, there's just so much out there. All you have to do is look into this on your own, and you'll find 
Um, I'm sure a lot of the, some of the same stuff that I talk about here, but then, uh, and then more, I'm sure. So, um, but this, uh, so this article here I'm looking at right now is from uh, a website I need to look into more. This it's, um, mythology.net. And I have to look into that more because I think that could be useful. But, um, this article talks about how the Grim Reaper is the Lord of Death, uh, black, Shrouded Spectre, who appears when your time on Earth has come to an end. Um, and that's another thing, too, that I found amazing about this, is that a lot of people maybe would associate this this figure with um, with with bad things, with, with negative, a negative um, uh, view of it, but that's not really the, the case, necessarily. It really is, he comes when it's someone's time, and in some cases, it is just because someone has lived for a good long time, and it is their time to move on. Um, so it's really amazing that this is this figure when when they when it's described, it it does look quite frightening in a way, but it's not negative. And I, I think that's that's a, a important thing and a neat thing about that as well, um, because of course the Grim Reaper is this hooded figure. Um, Sometimes skeletal, sometimes there's nothing within the hood except for darkness, a dark void, um, at least in the body portion of it. Sometimes there is a skull that looks like a skeleton. Um, this, uh, Of course, the cloak and the hood wraps all around the, the, the figure, and um, it's usually it says it's loose and tattered so that there's uh, there's bits that move around when it moves that make it look almost spirit-like or ghost-like in, its, in a way. And, of course, the signature item that it carries in a lot of cases is this blade, this curved blade blade called called a scythe. A scythe, or, I think I'm saying that right. Um, and, uh, and that's sort of, it's uh, an instrument it uses to separate, um, to basically uh, take the person... The person's spirit from their body uh, into the the whatever lies after that. So, um, but yeah, um, that's basically kind of in general. That's what the the common um, perception of this figure is. So, but you were telling me, Jen, you you found some interesting things here about some other connections to uh, to earlier texts, um, biblical and otherwise. So, if you want to go into that, that'd be good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the topic itself, when you're thinking about the Grim Reaper and about this death personification and how people over the ages, how they've described it or, or been witness to it, maybe even evaded it, you know, like it wasn't quite their time or they somehow escaped death or they made a deal with death. Or you have accounts of loved ones looking on or, you know, being there at the deathbed and witnessing this on occasion. You know, when you think about that too, a lot of times people are sitting with their loved ones for sometimes days and days and days, maybe even weeks or longer, just wanting to be near with them and see to them in the instance where it's been a long um, carrying illness or just as you said already, like it's just their kind of their time to go. But a lot of times family members will kind of stay with them and they seem to be the ones, or they live there, who do encounter the 
the specter that has been personified as the Grim Reaper. But then you also have many people, too, having accounts of just these, uh, what people would maybe think about as being maybe hooded demons or hooded cloaked figures of varying sizes. But the depiction of the cloak and it seeming in some way that the garb itself, you know, swathed in this, uh, like a funeral, sh- like a, the, a shroud, I think is kind of what makes me think of. And I was doing research actually just about um, what brought this kind of strangely around is I've had at the back of my mind about doing this show with you, but I was doing research too about um, these different groups and uh, their beliefs about um, angels and things like that. And the angel of death, of course, comes up as one of the marked um, archangels. You have, most people think about Michael or Raphael and things like that, but the Persians, the early Persians, they had this account of one angel of death that was named Duma. And Duma pretty much equates to doom, which, you know, makes sense with it being tied into death. But then I was thinking about that. I'd heard from a friend of mine in the past several years ago, and they made reference. They were going into the priesthood. And it actually didn't work out, but they were in the middle of doing that. But they told me that um, an African priest who had come to the seminary would refer to them as the Duma. Or the, it, and it actually means in some languages, bull. And I thought that was really interesting, and I kind of just put it on the back burner. But then I was looking into uh, the, the concept that there's an extra canonical text that talks about Cain being um, after he was... And some people say he would ever, there's so many different accounts when they're talking about these different lores and stories. And there are so many different types of accounts. And some accounts will say this and some, some will say this. And in this account that I was reading, it was talking about in the folklore that Cain is actually, he's slain himself. You know, he's the first murderer in those lores and the first one to cut a person down, his own brother. Um, or half-brother in some accounts. So I guess starting with that, there were, I found some weird congruences with um, Cain being thought of as carrying, well, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that there were some strange congruencies with Cain and the depiction, some of the earlier depictions of death, as well as the angel, perhaps the angel of death itself. And many people would say that, you know, why would this mortal man become possibly an angel, that that doesn't make any sense. And it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me either. But in these accounts too, of these extracanical Lord tales, they refer to that Cain was not the offspring of, and this is nothing, um, this is not a doctrine. This is like lore out of Babylonian Talmud and things like that of the, the, the Jewish faith. And they, equate, they, they account that there's a possibility that Cain was the offspring, actually, of the mortal woman Eve and a copulation with Samel, a, a type of demon, or maybe we'd say genie or a fairy, perhaps. But that Samel wasn't an angel, that he was a type of uh, a devi, a, a giant, a demon that may have been inhabiting um, the earth. And in fact, that Samel may have been the offspring of a copulation between Adam 
and Lilith, who had at that point become um, not quite human. So there's a strange mythology with all of that, where she's uh, almost like an alchemical exchange of her soul in some way from having relations with these fairy or demons or whatever you would call it. But that the offspring of Eve was Samel, was Cain. And being the, so he's like a half human, half demon in a way. And that when he slew his brother Abel, that he did it with a, a certain instrument in a lot of the old depictions in the artwork. Because I wondered, is there a connection with, with Cain and possibly the scythe itself? And there is. Due to his agrarian works of harvest and um, the, the type of work that he did in his cast, there was a tool that there are tools that have been uncovered in the Near East and excavations of, it's a, essentially, it's the bones of animals, in particular a jawbone, perhaps of a, uh, you know, a certain, like an ox or even a donkey, affixed to um, more animal bone or even wood that resembles a sickle or a scythe. And there are accounts that, in fact, it wasn't just a rock. In some accounts, there are, that, that, that is the instance. Other accounts are that he just, in a fury of fists, um, accidentally slew him. And in other accounts, it was that he did use this instrument, this early depiction of a scythe and, or sickle. And that's why there was the spilling of the blood and everything else. But then he himself needing defense um, when he was sent out into the world after God says that he, you know, hears his brother's blood calling up from the dirt or from the earth, I guess. And he says, you know, well, if they see me, they will kill me. Cain says that in the stories, in the folklore. And so they say that God puts the mark on him and the mark that he puts on him is horns in this lore and several lores actually around the, with the Jewish people. And really interesting having the horns and the account of the Duma, the angel of death, being um, Duma meaning bull. And I thought that was very strange. And then he himself later is killed by Lamech and Tubal Cain. And Tubal Cain being an ancestor of Cain's, who mistook him for an animal. And interesting, I mean, Lamech is a blind man in those stories. But then, too, that he, his ancestor Tubal Cain, now there is metallurgy. And he, it's likely, because they carry on and cast systems to their family, that he may have used a scythe himself to cut down Cain, his, uh, whom he descended from. And I thought that was very fascinating, that you have the depiction of the first murderer. Um, and the idea of death coming to people to take them, not quite a murder at all, it's a natural course of life sometimes. In some accounts, it's very positive, in some accounts, negative. But Duma also, in the Persian and the Sabian, start the theologic, the astrotheologists, the Sabians and the, Mag the Magians. They make reference that Duma doesn't just take, um, doesn't take evil people, per se. It takes all types. It takes everyone and anyone, and then they're divided up as according to their works. So I did think that was interesting because it just seemed to, because it, do you see how it tied into, like, it's so strange how it tied into this exactly. Kind yeah. of by act. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 
Um, that is amazing. And just the idea, because, I mean, so often you hear of anyone talking about if they... I've heard people talk about before how they find... Or they've seen, like, skulls with horns attached to them or being part of them, and it's automatically almost assumed to be evil. I've heard yeah. that before. And so that is odd. Also, um, another aspect I, I, for, I forgot to mention, because I only saw it in one article, but Matt's how brought it up, is that um, another thing that the uh, Grim Reaper is said to carry with him is an hourglass. So that time. aspect of time, yes. And uh, how much time someone has left, possibly. And or just the idea of it basically carrying time in its in its on its person on, on it in itself is also amazing. But yeah, the horn thing is that seems like that could be a whole other <laughs> other uh, show as well. Um, in well, and itself, that's a good point he brings up. It makes you think of also Kronos, um, Saturn. You know the connection that he carries. He carries a sickle too, as I, and he also carries the hourglass, um, being like the father of time. And that time itself could be personified as death because, of, of course, you know, after so much time, there is only so much time, um, as people think of it anyway. So I, I can see that there's a connection even with Saturn and Kronos too, somehow being representations of death itself. The mythology of it all, when, you, when we think about how people are interpreting the things that they see, and I don't think it's all just symbolic either. I mean, from the accounts that you sent to me and the accounts I've heard, and I've actually, too, I've, I've witnessed this when I was uh, very little, that I did see a hooded, um, I, ha I had accounts of this when I was a, a child. And I have, through the internet and through shows, of course, the popularization of the hooded figures, that there has to be some type of connection going on where, I don't know if it's monastic robes or what the connection it might be. But the handling of time, yeah, I think that's a very interesting point because it seems as if people have a pre or a predestination of how much time they have or something or like the concept that this could already be known somehow of when your time will be up, I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Also, the scythe in and of itself, really, um, I, I know it, it was, it's not like it didn't come as a weapon. It was more of an agricultural tool, which is amazing. But also the curved blade. Um, it comes to me that like if you turn that that whole tool in a circle, that's basically the the curved blade is almost part of a circle, in a way. Or it could be could appear as that if you were to let's say turn it in your hands or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, almost like a clock face in a way. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, and I think the idea too of not just cutting souls down or cutting a man down or a person down but severing the soul from the body the harvest of the soul it being in a positive way that it is ripe for harvest so i thought that was really that's it is interesting connection there the site and the sickle seem to have a very strong connection with this and you'll find in the in the um the classic uh english witchcraft and european witchcraft at, um of italy and europe and even now in the Americas, and probably in the Americas for a long time. But as we equate it with the modern witchcraft, the use of a sickle, the curved blade, in many um, magical rites, and one of, considered one of the magical tools is a curved blade, unlike the, um, they have different instruments they use for their, their rituals, 
And one of them is the curved blade for harvesting, for example. It's a working tool rather than a ritual tool. The same as with the scythe um, used by the agrarians of the past and obviously by the angel of death, the personification of death itself. So I, I do think that that's interesting too. The, the symbology is um, just continuous through all these different cultures and times. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of that, this this other article that I found from uh, Britannica.com talks about how um, the Grim Reaper seems to have appeared in, in Europe during the 14th century. And it was around this time that um, Europe was dealing with what was, at the time, the world's worst um, pandemic at the time, which was the Black Death. And um, and so there's that connection as well, in a way. I can imagine. Um, when you think about, I think it was, well, the the amount of population. I, I'm not sure the exact numbers. It was like a tenth of the entire world's population um, was snuffed out with the black with the plague, the Black Death. You know, and so I would think that the whole you know whole villages. Um, just carting away masses and the, just the, the, the amount of death and stench of death and the prevalence of it and then the certainty of it for certain individuals and the sense of doom about it, that it would begin to, the skeleton, um, the depiction of the Grim Reaper as the skeleton in the shroud um, in a, almost a menacing way of certainty that might have set into the minds, deep into the psyche of these these people, during that time when they were surrounded by it, and I can't even imagine how, what that must have been like for them, and two to watch their loved ones waste away on the deathbed, becoming like skeletons, and I don't know. I I, I do think that there's something very. Um, interesting about how it changed over to being this bleached bone figure in a shroud as well, still holding the scythe. And really strange too, there are accounts, you know, of the, the, you know, had the long beak, the plague doctor look. People had accounts too of seeing them, these plague doctors out with instruments that look like scythes. And some people have speculated that they were spraying something or but that they would use an instrument that looked like that as well. So that's very strange. Because you see the plague doctor, too, that has a strange feeling where it seems to also be, and they're wearing the hats and everything. But there seems to be some kind of connection, too, with that depiction, like a bird. So I don't know. I, I, think, that, I think it's all open to so many different uh, interpretations of how a person, in their natural way, how they will encounter death. and what the entity that they in, in, um, encounter, what they look like. And I've heard of cast people talking about, read, you know, um, seeing a death mare. So where they see a horse that I, I suppose that they, after they leave the body, they get up on this horse and ride off into death. I have no idea, but it is interesting. Just all the different depictions from all the cultures of the world and how they see it. But the Grim Reaper in particular, for the Western world, standing out so strongly. I didn't look much into the Far East for symbology in this, but I think that'd be interesting to look at too for any, anyone who's studying it. Yeah, that nothing really showed up in those any of those articles that I saw about that part of the world. But you know, um, 
the, the funny thing you mentioned about the horse, the uh, the death mirror, is that apparently some reports were that that the Grim Reaper did ride a horse, in some yeah. So and it was a white, it was a pale horse. Um, also, the bird. Well, there's one other thing. Other thing I want to mention too was, I wonder if the the idea of the the cloak over the the skeleton image of the Reaper is almost to make it less frightening, but then because it's hiding something, it almost has the opposite effect. To right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, because the is yeah. obscured, or you know, people account that they see, you know, like looking into the cloak itself. And have you ever seen a person wearing a hood? Or if you wear a hood yourself, it's almost like blinders you have on like a horse, or they're designed just to look in one direction. So they they're kind of with the cloak pulled up, you can only see what's kind of right in front of you. And so that's interesting too. That and lots of accounts of the Duma itself and the Angel of Death that. It calls the individual by their respective name, their full name. And interesting in the accounts of some of the stories you had, which I hope we can get to pretty soon. That way yeah, I, I don't want to. But um, where they were talking about how the Green Reaper would come to their door and even have a bit of a con- not looking um, traditionally quite like the skeleton in the shroud, but definitely wearing the shroud, the cloak, and the hood, and saying that they're there for this particular respective name placed there, individual. So I do think that there's, a, there's just a continual um, arc with that, that, they, that it follows the same type of paradigm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the last article I found, and we'll get to that. Um, we'll definitely cover that. Um, I wonder about the... I was listening to a show the other day about um, cemeteries and how... And I forget when what time period this was, but apparently there was a thing within the descript- like the design of graves with the the skull with the wings, like mm. the being used like it carved into some gravestones. I see. And that's yeah. odd because it's almost like a bird, or like something with wings is like a something that's flying. And if you think of a lot of the the ideas of where spirits go, they go up to heaven. So that's that's really neat there. Um, yeah, it makes me think of like yeah. there's a lot of the strange um, superstitions about birds flying into a house, or a bird flying into a window, or seeing a certain amount of um, the raven. Um, and then too, in the constellation, I have an echo. Can you hear that? A little bit. It's not too bad though. Um, well, I, I wonder why. Maybe it's do. okay. No, you don't need to do anything. I'll just log out and come back in or something if it does it. But okay. when I was doing some research about um, the astrotheology and the stars, I discovered that in sidereal astrology, they have uh, constellations that we aren't really familiar with in the West. One of them is the Corvus constellation, and it's a um, depiction of a crow, essentially. And it's connected. Um, well, it's you just look up. Uh, you need to look up Corvus and the constellation. Have a look at it, and it's riding the tail of a serpent. And supposedly, that constellation is the gateway to the to the underworld. And so you have this thing too with the reaching out into heaven and the references to what heaven might actually mean 
that it could have several different meanings. And in lots of theology too, um, or lots of folklore, they talk about the seven heavens. People have heard about that. But they also talk about the seven earths and the underworld being another type of underworld somehow uh, correlating to the earth itself with seven earths and seven heavens. But also too in um, Kabbalah, they talk about the 49 gates. That also, and I talked about, I've talked about this before and looked a little into it, not enough, because it's just such a big topic. It's such a big subject, it's almost impossible to even think about it all. But the reference there with Corvus, a constellation representing the raven itself as a bird of death, a black bird song in a way, of opening the gateway to the underworld and perhaps to the dead in heaven there as well, but a bird representation there. Also interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is neat. There's so much there to look into. Um mm -hmm. but uh I think maybe now I will um start to to read one or two of these stories from this article. And uh I think I will put this article in the chat for people to check out because there's there's like I don't even know four or five stories and I don't know if we'll get to all of them. But um at least yeah, they're I can... great stories. I'm gonna mute up and listen in. Okay, yeah, I'll do that, and I'll, I'll let you. You can do that, and I'll let you know when I get done, and we can go from there. Um, okay. So let's see here. I don't think that link worked, but I will get one. I'll get it for you all by the end of the show. I think it's because I have it in the reader mode there. Um, but I'll just read a couple of these here. So this is again. This is an article from Mysterious Universe. Uh which is a podcast and also uh, just a website with lots of articles on it. Um, but, um, so let's see here. Here's one of the stories. This says that um, in one case, let's see here, there was a witness named Dale, let's say, whose mother passed away in February of 2013, but apparently leading up to that, his mother had been uh, very sick in bed for the better part of a decade. So he was there again, like we were talking about earlier. Um, and so around this time, as there was this illness going on, there seemed to be um, shadowy apparitions spotted uh, moving around and also objects moving on their own. That's the other thing with some of these articles or the articles some of these stories, there's other odd paranormal things that go with it, which I wonder if that's because it just seems odd that there would be these other things that aren't necessarily necessary. They're not necessary for the transferring, let's say, or this process. But um, this activity picked up a lot in the days leading up to the mother's death. Dale said that um, in this, according to this article. At night when she was in bed, his mother would see a person walk from the highway in a red glow until it got to the bedroom, and it would come through the wall and approach her side of the bed. Said it had a long black hat that came down to a point and glowing red eyes. So this is not your traditional appearance of a, um, a Grim Reaper in, in terms of what the, what it's said to look like in folklore. Uh, it says that on February 2nd, his mo mother went to the hospital um, and uh, basically 
uh, came back two days later after um, some time in the hospital, and she was okay. But um, so let's see here. The family came there and and stayed with her. Um, and apparently that next morning, three forty-seven in the morning, that the hour there, that three to four a.m. Apparently the mother uh, shouted out to the her son Dale and then his brother that th- she saw this being again. And but of course when the when the the two sons walked into the room, there was nothing there. Um, so let's see here. The and then of course the next that next day or that I mean that same morning later that morning, as they were driving to the to the um hospital for routine medical procedures along uh, as the 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 vehicle was heading there the mother passed away in the the vehicle um and uh basically she she passed away she was gone so this figure um saw this uh there I mean the mother saw this figure and then passed um also apparently around the same time not not long before this happened the witness um or the 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 son of the witness had had his own encounter along with his brother they were driving past a cemetery and they saw this figure that was standing uh atop a, a freshly dug grave and um basically they just saw it was wearing tattered uh let's see here looking at this here it was large and had the tattered cloth on it so basically almost like a a, a hood uh cloak and um so so that apparently the witness thinks that maybe they were seeing this figure as well so let's see here there's more there's other things here um so apparently another story that says uh I have my own story to tell of the Grim Reaper coming to visit a loved one. It was early two thousand. My great grandfather woke up one morning to tell us of a dream he had the night before. He said uh the man with the sickle came for me last night. That immediately sent uh a chill right through me says he continued by telling us that the doorbell rang and apparently this was in this dream and then when he opened it um there stood this hooded man with a sickle in its hand and he looked at my great grandfather grandpa and said he was um he was there for for this uh this great grandfather and apparently called him by name and um in the stream, this older man uh, said that you had the wrong person to this apparition and slammed the door shut. So, of course, there's a little bit of levity there. But, um, again, not long after that is um, when the uh, this person passed away. So, um, let's see here. So yeah, that's apparently this activity in dreams and other activity around the person went on for the last three months or so of their life. 
So um, let's see here. Looking at the rest of this here, there's one I wanted to get to. And I think it's further down in the article here. So um, looking at this, checking on more. There's Again, there's several stories in this article here. But there's one basically, and I can kind of summarize it, about this child that went on a school tour or a school or a school field trip, um, and was near two teachers, and saw they were sitting on the bench, and he saw they saw this um, man sitting on this bench with the two teachers, tall man, in a um, a suit, and um, as they were, this witness was watching, one of the teachers fell over and basically passed away right there. And um of course I believe it was hard tech, I'm not sure now. I'm still not finding that place in this article. <laughs> um oh there we go. I found it. So um yeah so the teacher uh had fell fallen over and was not breathing anymore. And this child saw this this figure but no one else on the site did and even after it after everything had calmed down and um everything was back to normal this this witness talked to the people that were there and no one else saw this figure so um it's believed that that uh they saw this grim reaper so let's see here i'm looking through the rest and again i think that's where i'll stop with that but um, that's basically, there's a few stories there of this figure seen, and it's not always even in the traditional outfit of a Grim Reaper, but it seems to be there around the times of people passing and leading up to the people passing. So, um, yeah, really, really odd experiences there. Um, so, uh, Jen, if you want to join back in and uh, just... Talk about what you think about this. Yeah, there seems it's like there's a quickening and there's a gathering of certain types of souls that are coming around these individuals when it is their time or even when they don't suspect it's going to be their time. That's strange, too. It seems like these beings themselves, um, like the Banshee or something, there's this omen um, of seeing them. And then it brings about the event itself. It's almost as if the death is emanating from them, almost like a, you know, if they come near the individual and they have their name wherever they get it from and they have the, that your time is up, there's like this strange just coming to collect, basically. Perhaps the idea of the, even in the redemption of souls, that it's time to redeem the soul. And the idea of like when you think about a coupon, it's a very strange analogy, but that it's being borrowed or something that the life that's in the individual is being taken back somewhere after it's been used for a certain amount of time. And it doesn't seem like it has to be necessarily just this Grim Reaper. I think the Grim Reaper is the most stylized of all of the different cultures because it's so widespread and the story has spread so far that it seems to dominate the accounts of these death angels or these agents of death. But it is strange to think that it seems like 
normal spirits of of normal of just regular human beings can also be said agents um said uh of the angel of death itself almost like that is their job or something and if people encounter these certain entities people even perhaps maybe in the case of wearing suits or this or that where they look normal garb or it's a disguise of some sort even there's so much with it you know go ahead yeah um no sorry but yeah it it is it is really amazing to think about that and the other thing too i've seen different shows like different fictional stories that try to look at that whole idea of this other this part of the spirit world that is in charge of the transition yeah of people from from life to to the afterlife and um I have to give a quick shout out here to Jay in New York. He mentioned that I should look into, and I, I looked at the summary of it, but I didn't get into, to watch any of it, of a TV show um, he saw called, I think it was Dead Like Me. Oh, and yeah. I, I didn't, I've never seen it, but he mentioned that a couple of times. And I just didn't get to watch it. Have you seen that one? It's an older show, yeah. It was around years ago, and then it was out. I can't remember if it was like Netflix or I don't know. You'll be able to find it. But it's about, it talks a lot about this thing we're talking about right now. And just the idea that there is, it does tie in very nicely to the concept that there is a whole, an order of sorts that are in the ethereal world or even in our own world. So there's some strange, because in this case, the funeral director, that they are initiates in some way of, you know, there obviously is something to the feeling that, when you meet someone who works in hospice or works um, as a in, in funerary, that they seem to have a closer connection with that in some way, and they almost seem to have an um, an understanding of death in a way. And I wonder if, too, on the spiritual realm or something, if there's something to that, that they are themselves guides for, like they are, it's some kind of fate that they be in those professions. That they be in the into the position where they can do what, what uh, would be, need to be done to transition the person into the afterlife, and then the the concept of too that there might be, like I said already, like eight. I don't mean to be repetitive, but like the agents of the angel of death in a way that might be intended to handle the moving or transporting of a soul into a certain area of the afterlife or into a certain level of say heaven or the veil or to whatever to handle all of that there it does seem like there could be an order to it because the descriptions of all the different types of creatures encountered are obviously not the same exact, exact identical being but they seem to be the hand of the same force yeah yeah um just looking at the chat here um, Matt, Matt says, everything we think we own, we are only borrowing it from death. That's uh, that's true in a way. Uh, or borrowing it from life, Apoc says. Um, and uh, apparently she's aware of that show as well, that Dead Like Me. So um, David, 88, welcome, um, says, I wonder if the sickle the Grim, Reap Grim Reaper uses is to cut the cord that people see when they at they're astral projecting. I and thought that too. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of something along those lines as well. Yeah. Yes. Because they say that it can't be severed, really. And there's a possibility you could be out too far if you're out of body. And it might, 
if you stayed out too long for some reason or something, but initially, it, it, basically it's almost a, you know, it's a, it's a tether. So for sure you won't float off, but maybe they, yeah, perhaps with the cutting through the cord makes it, yeah, it's a good point. And I think that, yeah, we forgot to, I, well, we talked about the severing the soul from the, the body, but not in the context of people thinking about it, that their bot, their soul is always coming and going from the body. And so, but so it's not so much about the soul leaving the body as much as that tether, because the soul obviously travels everywhere. And a lot of people's like, I mean, a lot of stories and the way that people look at the world that the soul can, we, we realize that perhaps there's a body that can go out of the body and go about the world and have many experiences in the dream state, maybe, maybe every night, but always comes back. So it's not so much about the leaving the body, the soul leaving the body, but actually being detached, completely cut from the body itself. And I've heard people in meditation, many Buddhist monks in the monasteries, that other monks came across that the individual was meditating and had been meditating for so long, not as in like they died from sitting there for so long and not eating or anything, but that they had gone so far in their travels in the state of meditation that they came across them and they actually were sitting there in their position, but had passed. I don't know if they just, they voluntarily left the body or what, but there are accounts of that too. And it makes you think about the cord that tethers the body to its soul. But anyway though, but the power to separate them seems to be held in the hands of these agents of, I don't wanna say death, but transition and end to a certain phase. Yeah, I wonder too. With, I'm sorry. Well, to be on the positive, that that it's the scythe itself as being it's you harvest the crops when they are ready, when it is time, as in you know, and and that I don't think that this you know untimely death might be handled by completely different entities, as entities who like when you think about the different agents of death and what they might be that the coming with the scythe or the sickle as into harvest when the soul is ready. I wonder if there's a difference between taking up someone prematurely or unexpectedly, if there are different beings in charge of that. I, I don't know. Or if it's all handled by the same thing, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, but it's just interesting to think about. And... Yeah. It makes me wonder too, if um, maybe there could have been at some point only one being whoever or whatever it was that was in charge of that but as time went on and there came to be more and more people in the world it it did give maybe or recruit some other being some other people either people or other other kinds of spiritual beings to work with it or for it mm -hmm. and um and then that's why because again those articles again like and like you mentioned they said that the 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 grim reaper was only one um, manifestation or one view of this figure that's in charge of, of this transition. So, and I wonder too, if, um, if there are multiple agents, then couldn't there be a whole variety of, they could have a variety of personalities where there are some that are out there that are doing, let's say the, the what's best for everyone, but then there are others and maybe that's where you get your more negative experiences from is there are others out there that are maybe just doing things Feeling. the way they want. 
And, right. and yeah, that's, that's a, uh, I always wonder about that. Cause it seems to me like whenever you have absolutes of this one type of being, all of them are always bad or all, all of them are always good. I always kind of wonder if that's really how things work, because if it's anything like what you see in humans or even other just other animals, there seems to be that there are some out there that are they're different. Every, everyone everyone is different in what they how they act, and so I, I just I always wonder about that. Yeah, and it's good to bring that up because it would make sense that you would have if this is a type of. Well, I don't, it, it's, it's a lot to unpack when you're trying to think about, okay, so is there a, you know, you have the case of the original, if you think about humanity itself and that you would have had an initial original death, the first person, for example, to die, or the first person to cause death, perhaps, that there could be some type of connection there through the human psyche that may envision it in such a way. And that it be personified with a tr- in a, a true spirit of some kind or a true type of entity that is traversing between the veils of our world and another world of some sort. And that there could be things that could bring about the cause of it or that the beings could even be called up themselves. And then, so I don't know, it just goes, there's so much to it. And then when you consider the fact that we, how, by what mechanisms are we communicating with the dead? in the instance of necromancy or through certain rituals and that you may have to encounter these beings to even reach into certain dimensions. Gatekeepers has been talked about in the past. And even in the paranormal world itself that you have spirits that are locked into a a certain location and there is an entity overseeing them, those entity, the the spirit, the ghosts and keeping them in that location for some reason. So there seems to be all types of powers at work in the dealings of how we interpret death, how the living interpret the world of the dead. But I think it is, you know, there's just so much. <laughs> but, well, we're doing our best, I think, <laughs> to try to talk about it as much as, as, as thorough as we can. But you're right, there is just so much there. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This has me really wondering about... um my favorite movie of all time, um, Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Where would where would some kind of a Grim Reaper fit into that universe? As well. I know, makes you think what the reception is, or was yeah. it? You know, yeah, I don't the know. Caseworker, case do you know the caseworker? <laughs> the caseworker, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, let's see here. There's comments in here talking about. Um, uh, Matt Sal says, I like death in the Sandman. She is always in the right place to take the souls. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a very empathetic take on that character of death, David says. Uh, and uh, yeah, Apoc talking about that as well. Um, yeah, that was a, that's a good show. I re- recommend anyone that hasn't seen that show go check it out. I um, haven't seen the show, but I was looking at the, uh, I used to have the, the graphic novel, and she's depicted <laughs> as a, you know, like a teenage girl. And I remember she had like a this face tattoo and she was one of my favorite art you know, artistic depictions in the whole book. Like of course as a teenager myself, like that I thought, you know, you want to emulate that or it feels like you can connect to it in some way. And then right. her depiction though, yeah, as just an innocent 
young lady in that instance, but I've actually heard accounts too that the Grim Reaper too has been switching back and forth in many of these stories too between being feminine and as an in like a oh, okay, like La Llorona who comes and takes it's a little darker aspect of it, but again, a spirit of vengeance in a way in that case though. So there do seem to be like all kinds of entities involved that have the power to intervene into the world of the living and to take or have mercy upon or to even shield from other death entities. There's a big, there's a huge lore that is just, it's, it's just as complicated as, um, I don't, I know, I think in the modern day today that we are trying to find all of that, um, to try to make sense in a modern folklore of how do we interpret with all of that past? How do we apply it to the, our modern world so that it makes sense for our, our new tales, our new um, tales of, of, of death lore for the modern world? And yeah. I think Neil Gaiman does a great job with that. And he does it with um, American Gods as well. Oh, interesting. I haven't read that one. I need to, I need to listen to that one. Um, That's a good one. Excuse me, but also, ironically, um, another that the, the idea of the the switching between the skeleton kind of like almost like masculine kind of appearance, and then the appearance of like a young girl or a woman mm-hmm. um, in Marvel in the Marvel comic universe, death there is said to have two appearances, and that's exactly it. It can look like a, like a skeleton. Or it could look like a just a young, beautiful woman. And both wear the same kind of shroud and, and hood. And um but yeah, so that's that's amazing that, that they, they kinda apparently someone there has, has also been whoever wrote that in that universe was able to uh there was you know, took that and used that in, in there as well. Oh no doubt. Huh. Yeah, that's neat. Um Yeah, so so what um so yeah that's this is that's just kind of open up it's really funny because now I'm kind of looking at um one of the stories I'm working on in a different way which is pretty amazing um well that I was working on I haven't worked on it in a while but um it is it is amazing how all the folklore and then modern I guess you could call modern folklore it seems to be have connections to actual paranormal activity that's out there um. Mm-hmm. Whether it's people seeing these things, whether it's the person that's going to pass seeing them, or other people near them seeing these figures, and the other thing too about that is the hooded figure, uh, like you brought up earlier, those nece- don't necessarily always appear just when someone's about to pass. So I wonder, then, does that mean they're they are just passing by when people see them in those cases, or are they checking on the people that that see them in those cases, basically gauging? How much time they have? Um, almost like a just a status update or whatever. Uh, I wonder what the if there's something to that as well, and if that could be why in some cases people who have these these experiences get this sense of of foreboding or for of of um, possible danger or negative aspect. But really, what it is is just this being is so it gives off so much energy that it's kind of uh, it it could be. But it's not necessarily, and that's why when they have these sightings, yes, there's these odd feelings, and they're strong, but nothing else happens. 
like a, a well you know it seems like sometimes people encounter these beings when there's fixed to be a great sickness and the individual may come down with some type of terminal illness as if the thing brought it or that the thing is coming to even take away the illness and not take away the soul and they mm. look terrifying all the same because a type of entity and in, in, or not or perhaps they will put on the persona to not frighten the individual but that they have to deal out a certain amount of a natural a natural occurrence but the entities in charge of doing such things have to do such a terrible thing that they may take on a certain persona of either being um peaceful and bringing some type of peace and not being frightening at all or in other instances where because the work of what's going to be required will begin to take on a look of that might be seen as being terrifying and so there's something to that and then that some people when they encounter these beings it does seem to be of um a an omen of something negative to come for example before a car accident or before a plane crash or before some type of terrible accident that the individual was startled by or did see such a being and you wonder if it was because they were warning of it or did they were they carrying it with them and it caused the event so there seems to be a lot of confusion about that too but then there are yeah. instances yeah where people encounter these beings they do die but then they come back so it's almost as if they ran into the the entity or like they they passed unexpectedly and they see this entity but they don't die because their time is not up yet or they're not ready for them yet or however it is and they come back to their body and they have accounts of seeing these beings then but yeah i don't know yeah um david 88 says i think that maybe the grim reaper is there to protect the person in some way because most people i know who have died didn't didn't meet it but they met a family member makes one wonder uh what its purpose is and that's true too people my own great grandma apparently said that she saw um her sisters uh before she passed that had also all passed before her yeah so um i think that's being like a, a guy yeah. sometimes yeah it's we've uh, yeah go ahead yeah I, so yeah it could be that, that 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 maybe people the spirits of people that have passed maybe that's one kind of not so much a Grim Reaper, but just a guide, like you said earlier, uh, Jen, where they certain family members are recruited for a time to go and meet that one person that they knew. Um, and that's why they appear like that before they pass, and then they pass, and then everything seems to calm down. Because I've heard that, too, where there's activity leading up to the person's passing, and then after that, nothing else for a while. Yeah, I don't know, because there's just there's also like seven days after the person dies. There's accounts of people having paranormal experiences triggered by the death of an individual. And then it seems to they it's like an open doorway. Something came through certain energies and they bounced around in the location for a period of time and then dissipated after the, you know, either. I don't know if they were reabsorbed or they went back through, but there seems to be something too that death is a portal 
and it, it could explain some of the paranormal activity or that things going haywire or a type of um, a magnetic field that causes things to like electronics to act up or there to be fires or things like this. So there could be something about that too, I guess. Possibly. Yeah. Um, and I wonder again, if, if the appearance isn't fixed, then it could be that when people hear um, going back to NDEs, near death experiences where um, they, when they encounter a figure that is there, it is some kind of a, an agent of death that does turn them back and say it's not time yet, but they look like just people or it is odd because um, uh, APOC in the chat says never heard of any NDEs where a Reaper was involved, but if they still, if someone still saw someone else in their experience, then it, that could have been a version of that too. Um, the, the appearance really is, it's so tricky because appearances can be, so separate from the experience that they don't even matter. But then other times they seem to matter. It is, it's, it's, um, it really is amazing. You have to just take everything case by case and see what you can figure out. So, but, um, because there's, it's so varied and each culture is going to have a different account of what it seems like. And, And there seem to be common themes though. And so we're kind of following the trail of that. We try to, but the, that's one thing that every human being has in common with each other and the entire uh, living race of all beings on the earth is that we're all born and we all die. And I think that there is some type of, there's bound to be parallels in the stories that we tell ourselves and we tell each other about how that encounter plays out and what was seen and what were the signs before it happened because it's such a hard thing, especially because we can we have uh, knowledge of that eventually we all go through the same thing. And so I think that that's something that could play into it too. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a good place for me to leave it for tonight. Let's see just real quick. I'm looking at chat here. Um, uh, David says, when my, when my mother passed, I saw her spirit as a younger version of her looking at me through sliding glass door outside the house. She was trying to get my attention. Looked like a swarm of wasps flying, which made up the image of her. That's amazing. A couple seconds and then gone. Yeah. So there is activity. It just depends. Every case is different. But um, I think that's a good place to leave it for tonight. So Mm -hmm. just because, I mean, we could go on for another hour or two and still probably end up in the same place we're at now. Yeah. I think I enjoyed it, though. I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah, thank you for being here with me and doing this, and and um, great as always, and and look forward to having you on the show again uh, sometime. Thank you so much, and I'm glad that you brought this up because when you mentioned it, you know, like a month ago, I was like, well, yeah, of course, want to do that and think about it, but then it went to so many different places, and then sitting here chatting with you about it tonight and hearing the people um, in the room talking about it too. It seems like it's it's something we're never going to be quite done with, but yeah, I think it's it is it's been a good place to to end it. I think you're right. Yeah, well, I will let you go and uh, end the show here. So um, I will talk to you later. Okay, have a great night. You too. So um, I think that will do it for the show. Um, 
again on so next show will be tomorrow night uh sunday and tuesday is true paranormal stories from the web so um i will be going all all the way through until the last week of december i've decided i'm i only only take off one week from december and that'll just be the last week of the month just for the holidays and um so i will talk to you all tomorrow night on the next episode of south salcedo paranormal if i could say my own name that'd be good uh take care everyone have a great night